Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode 15, much of which was recorded on Saturday, May 4th, 2019, and it's being published on Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. The title of this episode is Test Rides of the Yamaha Nikon, an MT-09, and R3. Although the test rides make up most of this episode, I also talk about Warwar, the Keystone TT, working on my white belt in Moto Jitsu, and a book that I'm reading. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place. Because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. I want to start out tonight by giving a couple shout-outs. First, I want to thank the On the Road Again Motorcycle Instruction School, also known as OTRA, for becoming my first supporter via PayPal. OTRA is the school where Gene and I did the MSF Basic Rider course together, and it's also where I did the Corner College course that was put together by MSF instructor Tom Walker. At the recent Cycle Gear Bike Night that I mentioned in the last episode, I finally had a chance to meet Harley Nemzer in person. Harley is also an instructor at OTRA, and he and I have been Facebook friends for quite some time. So it was really cool to finally hang out with him in real space, and not just cyberspace, and get a chance to see his Moto Guzzi, which is a V9 Roamer, if I'm not mistaken. If I am mistaken, Harley, hopefully you're listening to this, and you'll set the record straight. Either way, it's an awesome-looking bike. I also want to catch up with a listener who also contacted me back in March. TC from Portland, Oregon is a listener, and he and I know each other from the Throttled podcast, where we both hang out on the Throttled Slack channel. If I'm not mistaken on this one also, TC is an MSF rider coach as well, but I went back through all my emails and such, and I just couldn't confirm it. So TC, hopefully you're listening to this episode, and please let me know on that. Um, if I'm right that you are an MSF instructor, uh, yeah, just let me know, confirm it, and let me know how long you've been doing that. And uh, I know at uh, some point, I think we kind of chatted maybe about having you come on the show. So maybe we'll set that up. That'd be really cool. And now a little bit of news. So in the prior episodes, I mentioned that uh, this past weekend, I was going to be attending the Keystone TT in uh, eastern, I guess, southeastern Pennsylvania. So, Roy, I wanted to give a shout out to you. Roy is the organizer of the Keystone TT. This is the first year that uh, he put this together. And kind of the idea of it, and I'll put a link in the show notes. You can check out the Facebook page, is just something he wanted to do and the way of getting motorcyclists together kind of aligned with the Isle of Man TT, you know, which a lot of people really enjoy. Uh, just kind of in the spirit of that, just uh, having a, a nice ride through the Pennsylvania countryside, which is just beautiful, awesome place to ride. So, uh, yeah, so that was really cool that he, he put that together and uh, that I had a chance to join him and his, some of his riding buddies, uh, being it was the first year, it, didn't all go exactly the way he had planned, you know, the way that uh, life goes sometimes, you know, and you, you guys probably heard, you know, like uh, Murphy, Murphy's, Murphy's Law, you know, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. So he ran into a variety of problems, uh, some issues with the weather and rain actually washing out parts of the route. I think there was a couple of bridges that were on the original 100-mile route, so he had to kind of make some adjustments for that. And then he had some really cool signs put up just because this originally was going to be a self-guided tour. You know, people would just start out from the start point, you know, follow the signs and, you know, at their own pace and then come back and, and meet up. Uh, and 
some whatever individuals i won't say anything more than that but uh, some individuals decided to steal several miles worth of signs so you know who knows what that was all about but uh, anyway I, I thought he did a good good job of adjusting and recovering from all that and so there was a small enough group of people i don't know the exact count i'd say probably about somewhere between 12 and 16 bikes so he decided to just uh, organize it you know, reorganize it as a group ride, which was a lot, a lot of fun. So I got to, to ride with that group. And then afterwards, we, we all hung out and had a, had a couple of drinks and some lunch. So a lot, a lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to it next year. I'm sure he'll have a lot more people interested in, in participating. Uh, and it's also for a really good cause. Um, you know, whatever funds are left over after covering various expenses and things for, you know, setting things up and, and operating the ride. Um, the proceeds are going to go to a friend of theirs who I, I don't know all the details, but uh, someone who needed help with some medical bills and has a, has a medical situation. So really, really cool. So again, Roy, thanks a lot for uh, putting that together and uh, for making me a part of it. It was a lot, a lot of fun. I've got some GoPro video that I took on the ride that I'm going to be putting together. I'll put that up on my YouTube channel. I'll make it available on Facebook. So if anyone wants to check that out, I'll mention on the upcoming episode when that's available. Uh, also wanted to give an update on Werwer. So as a sponsor of the Women Riders World Relay, affectionately known as Werwer, I like to keep everyone updated on their progress. So the baton is still in Pakistan, and it's scheduled to restart on the 27th, which is only two days from now. So check out the, uh, the link in the show notes. There's a way that you can track the baton kind of in real time and see where it's at. Uh, a lot of a lot of cool stories and things happening. Really, really, really cool thing that they're doing. So check that out. Also, wanted to give a little update on Moto Jitsu. So Gina and I started working on our white belts, which is the first step in the Moto Jitsu Master Riding Program that uh, you know Fast Eddie put together. Episode nine. You know, I interviewed Fast Eddie about this program. So it's been definitely a lot, a lot of fun. Um, we we both were able to complete the drills for the white belt, although. Honestly, I think I'm going to continue working on it. Um, you know, like I said, I was able to do the drills, but not at the level of mastery that I think is probably appropriate. And that's one of the things I really like about this program that he's put together and, and, and doing these kind of parking lot drills is it really gets you to take a look at where your riding skills are at. You know, and it's it, it's fairly easy to get on a bike and, and ride around, you know, ride around the neighborhood, go for a ride, go out for a couple hours. And that's fun, fun. And that's fine. And, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you do these kind of parking lot exercises, it begins to point out to you where you're strong and, and particularly where you're weak. So like I said, I was able to do the drills, which are probably similar to the kind of drills you have to pass to get uh, to, to, to get your certification in the basic rider course, you know, to pass the basic rider course. Uh, but definitely feel I could be more competent at it. So I'm probably going to keep practicing that before I move on to the next belt, which is blue belt. And then the way that the Moto Jitsu is set up, in addition to the various parking lot drills, there's also uh, like a knowledge section, books and things that uh, Fast Eddie recommends that you read so that you're also getting the knowledge about motorcycles and riding and you know learning more about how bikes work and riding technique and that kind of stuff. So uh, Gene and I are going to be working on that as well. Um, also, I've got a pretty cool 
set up for doing my Moto Jitsu, stuff that I can easily put into the top case on my Z900 RS or the Vulcan S. Actually, I started doing these drills on the Z900 RS, and I probably will go most of the way through. Uh, but at some point, I will go back if I still have the Vulcan S. I'll go back and uh, do the do the drills and the belts with the Vulcan S as well, because one of the goals of Moto Jitsu is to be able to do all of the drills competently on any bike. And the idea being that once you get your skills up to a certain level, you realize that the bike is not the thing; it's you and your abilities and what you can and can't do on a motorcycle, and you eventually develop the skill to basically hop on any motorcycle and handle it competently so i think that that's really cool so i'll be doing that um so anyway so in terms of my setup so there's various ways to do this people have different things that they buy or different systems that they use but uh, i decided to go with the tennis ball split in half so i've got a cool setup i found a youtube video um actually maybe i'll put that in the show notes a guy that used a simple rig just a a saw manual saw in uh, one of those miter boxes it's just something i had i already had it actually the same one he used i already had i got at home depot so basically just a miter box and a saw and you just set the tennis ball in there and the way that the miter box is set up it's held rigidly in place and you just a couple passes with the saw and uh yep you got your tennis ball split in half so i was able to split you know six cans of balls in i don't know 10 minutes or something like that and then just use the containers to hold the halves so basically uh you know, with them, with the balls cut in half and packed in. So basically I've got, uh, you know, I, I guess it was about six, I think it was six cans of balls packed into two, you know, tennis ball containers. So I carry that in my top case. And then I've got a hundred foot, um, I forget the brand doesn't really matter. Uh, but basically, a, uh, you know, tape measure, hundred foot, you know, heavy duty kind of thing. And it's a nice setup so that it's got a, a hook at the, at the end of it. So what I did is I just took a, a patio block like a it's about a six inch by six inch maybe a little smaller patio block not too heavy but heavy enough that it stays in place i just put a concrete screw into that and then so basically i, I can set that like in the middle of my circle and i just put the hook of the tape measure over the screw and then i can pull out whatever diameter i need whether it's you know 20 20 foot diameter for the 40 foot circle drill or 15 foot 10 foot whatever it is and then i can just you know with that as my center of the circle just walk my way around the circle just put the tennis ball halves down and i've got my circle you know easily set up you know if you don't want to use tennis balls you could use chalk or cones or the different things that people use so that works out really cool and then so it's basically the tennis balls you know the tape measure i've got the the little patio block with the screw in it and then my moto jitsu book and i don't know the whole thing weighs maybe a pound and a half or something like that and i've got everything i need to do my moto jitsu drills yeah i don't carry that stuff all the time but honestly i could it's not that bulky and it's not that heavy that it would uh, really be a problem but basically you know when gene and i got a chance we can go out find a parking lot and and do some moto jitsu i just throw everything in the top case and we're good to go so that's been working out great so you'll see a lot of that stuff on my facebook page so you could just check that out or if you have questions you know send me an email and i can email you photos or whatever of of the or information about the the different pieces that i purchased and then uh, i mentioned there's a book that i'm reading so it's part of the recommended uh, materials for Moto Jitsu White Belt is it's actually the DVD A Twist of the Wrist uh, Volume 2 by Keith Code uh, which I did purchase and Gene and I are going to start watching that but I decided to also buy the book so A Twist of the Wrist and A Twist of the Wrist 2 by Keith Code so he's the founder of the California Superbike School and uh, actually on his website it, it mentions that Step-by-step advanced rider training did not exist before Keith Code began his first one-on-one courses in 1976. 
what happened after that. From novice street riders to factory racers, riders trained by him rapidly improved. So definitely check it out. Uh, I believe it said that he's been doing this for about 40 years. California Superbike School is, is definitely one of the, the best or better known schools in the industry. So uh, I'll put, put the link in the show notes and you could check that out as well as the, the books and DVDs that I mentioned. And as always, thank you to everyone who has written in. If you haven't already, please drop me an email or fill out the contact form on my website or message me on Facebook or on Instagram and let me know that you're out there and anything else you want to let me know about the show. So you can always reach me at soyouwanttoride at yahoo.com or use the link in the podcast notes to my website where you'll find all my contact details. So to kind of set the stage for the rest of this episode... Back in May, and I mentioned in a prior episode, I had done some test rides. The Yamaha test ride truck was at a a dealer, motorcycle dealer, out on the east end of Long Island, out in Riverhead, Riverhead area. Um, And so I had had done test ridden the three bikes that I mentioned in the title of the show. So the the Nikon, the uh, MT-09, and the R3, which was really, really cool. had a lot of fun doing that. Um, Unfortunately, things didn't go exactly as I planned regarding the audio. So I actually... Uh, you know, I have a helmet with Bluetooth, um, and I had it hooked up to my phone, and I've got a little audio recording, a pretty good audio recording app on the phone. And I kind of falsely assumed that that app was going to just record whatever I was saying in the microphone in the helmet. And I actually had done a quick little test, and it seemed to be working, but long story short, it wasn't really. So I thought I had a recording of me, you know, riding each of the bikes as I was making notes and comments and things. Well, unfortunately, that didn't work out. You can barely hear me at all. But fortunately, it did capture the sound of the motorcycle engines. So I was like, okay, so let me do this. Let me, okay, so forget what I said or what I you know, tried to say in, in those recordings because it's, it's not there. And uh, I just pulled a little clip. So I've got little audio clips just to kind of wet, wet your taste for what these bikes sound like. And, you know, keep in mind that this is stock bikes you know the way yamaha sells them so it's the stock exhaust and the whole setup there's nothing fancy so it's not going to sound particularly particularly exciting but you know whatever you could use your own judgment i I think the clips sound pretty cool um and then so after after i did the test rides because you know i realized that the audio didn't capture what i was saying while i was riding uh, i just in the truck while i was driving home because it was about a 45 minute ride I just recorded, re-recorded my impressions of the bikes. So that's what's in the upcoming segment here. And that came out pretty good. Um, I have a truck, and so I was driving on the, the interstate, and it was a little bit noisy and stuff. So I cranked up my Magic uh, audio editing software, Audacity, which is actually what I use to produce this podcast, and got on, got on Google and <laughs> read some tutorials and things and learned some new features of the program. And actually, it was pretty cool. I was able to clean up the audio, you know, both for recording the engine sounds in the motorcycles and for what I recorded in the truck. So I think I got some pretty good audio quality. Uh, so I think you'll definitely enjoy the rest of this. Yeah, so that, that's what the rest of this will be, is what I recorded uh, in the truck at, right, right after I did the test rides back in May. Um, but before I get into that and, and the, actually my review of the bikes, I just wanted to give you a taste for the sounds. So we're going to do that now. All right, so here's the sounds of the bikes, the three bikes, in no particular order. So what I'm going to do is just play the three sounds and kind of listen to them and see if you can guess which sound is which bike, and then we'll get into my actual review, and then at the very end, before I wrap up the show, I'll play the sounds again, and I'll, I'll let you know. You'll, you'll have a chance to guess again, and then I'll, I'll let you know which, which, which clip is which bike. So here we go. Here is bike number one. 
Okay, so not too bad for a stock exhaust. And here we go with bike number two. So I wonder which bike that was. And here we go now with bike number three. All right. So hopefully that's whet your appetite a little bit. And here we go into my actual review of the three bikes. Enjoy. Hey everybody, it's Old Man Slacker. Hello, uh, just setting up here. As you can tell, I'm actually driving in the car. I hope the phone is gonna stay set that way, okay? But uh, I just figured since I'm riding home, might as well take an opportunity to sum up the test rides I did. Hopefully this audio is coming out okay. Uh, truck is not too noisy. I've got a actually old 2006 Nissan Pathfinder, so hopefully it's not too noisy. But um, yeah, I just figured while it's fresh in my mind, and this is the uh, the days of the internet when everything is instant so yeah so it was really cool glad i did it so i went out to uh maximum motorsports out in uh, riverhead new york they had the yamaha demo truck there uh, actually i'm really glad i did this i mistakenly when i looked at the yamaha website i thought the truck was also going to be at the yamaha dealer actually yamaha kawasaki dealer near me uh, in uh, i thought in hicksville i, I live in levittown but um, yeah, so it turns out I misread it. Actually, it was not the demo truck, it's just an open house. So I'm glad I came out today. Weather worked out fine, and the forecast was for rain, and it did drizzle a little bit. And some roads were damp, but kind of by the third test ride that I did, it was all pretty good. So definitely glad I came out. The truck will be in New Jersey at a Yamaha dealer next weekend. So I may actually go out next weekend to Jersey. It's probably a little bit of a ride. Especially if the weather's nice and it's a good day, I probably will do it. There's a couple more bikes I'd like to try. My main goal was to try the Nikon. Um, I've wanted to try that bike since it was announced, whatever, a couple of years ago. Um, it's kind of funny because, you know, anyone that listens to Throttle, you know, I'm a co-host on the Throttle podcast. We've talked about the Nikon, and particularly it comes up as, like, an alternative bike, possibly, you know, because of this interesting setup with the two forks and two front wheels. Um, that, you know, maybe it's kind of an alternative for people not comfortable on a two-wheeled on a motorcycle. But, like, really, if you look at the bike and riding the bike, that's not what it's all about. Um, I, I don't think that's why Yamaha developed that bike. There are bikes, obviously, things like the Spider or, you know, trike conversions or trikes that are good for that. Or you've got, like, you know, three-wheel scooters like the MP3 that actually will stand up by itself. But the Nikon is not designed for that. Like, that bike is not designed to stand up on its own. Like, if, you know, it's off the kickstand and you let go, it's going to fall. So that's not why they, they didn't build it to be, like, a more stable, you know, feeling bike or something like that. My belief, and I don't know this from Yamaha, it's just my opinion, I think they designed it just to show what they could do and basically to, like, create kind of a new, what's the word I'm looking for? New type of motorcycle, new type of riding experience. You know, power sports is a big thing these days. Sorry if you're getting a little vibration there. I think it's okay now. Um, yeah, I think they just did it as a different kind of riding experience. And so it's been interesting because when I first heard about the bike and I saw it, like pictures of magazines or on the internet, I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's weird. It just looked like a transformer to me. And like, it looks big and clunky. It just looks cumbersome. I don't know why the hell anyone would want that thing. 
But then uh, in Dece last December at the, the uh, International Motor International Motorcycle Show IMS in New York City at the Javits Center, actually there was one there and I sat on it. And first of all, I noticed in person it is not as big and clunky looking as it, my impression from YouTube videos and you know, things on the internet. And when I sat on it, I was like, wow, this thing's actually pretty comfortable. It doesn't feel heavy, it's well balanced and whatever. And that's kind of when I was like, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to test ride this thing before I say anything more about it. And that's one of the things I've said on throttles. It's like I kind of reserve reserve further comments until I ride the thing because, you know, just looking at things or, you know, reading articles or even other people demoing is not the same as riding it yourself. So anyway, so that was my main goal for coming out to, uh, to the, the Yamaha demo. But I have to say, I'm really glad I rode it. Um, I actually like that bike. Um, it handled really well. I guess, I'm not sure. I guess it's got like a 900cc triple that's in the MT-09. Not totally positive about that. Um, but the bike handles great. It's a little different for me because I'm used to riding naked bikes. You know, the Vulcan S you know, doesn't have any kind of fairing on it. And then the Z900 RS uh, also is you know, naked, standard, no, no fairings. So I'm not used to having stuff in front of me. But that aside, you know, and that taking a little to get used to, the Nikon was great. Um, and it's kind of interesting because of that big fairing, you, you don't, you can't see the front wheel. So you don't really know there's two wheels in front instead of one. And honestly, it didn't feel different. Like it, it, it didn't feel to me like it was other than a two wheel motorcycle. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, leaning and turning and rolling, you know, in turns and stuff like that was exactly kind of what I experienced on my Z900 RS that didn't feel different. I think definitely feels planted, feels like it's got a lot of grip. So uh, yeah, just really, really good experience riding it. I, I like the engine on that bike. Um, we'll talk about more about the MT-09 in a minute. I was not impressed really with the MT-09 and that's nothing against the bike. It's just kind of me and I guess my preferences. Um, but yeah, just the, the way that the, the engine is set up and tuned and mapped on the Nikon, it was really nice. It's got plenty of power, nice and smooth, no, no mirror shake or anything like that. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's the triple that's in there. Um, yeah, so now, I mean, you know, I posted on the Facebook page, I don't know why I would buy that motorcycle. Like, I like the Nikon. I mean, it was a great ride. It's, I enjoyed it. I would ride it again. I don't know why I need one. It's like, I'm happy with two-wheeled motorcycles. But anyway, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. And if someone is looking for something different and whatever, you know, it's just, like I said, you wouldn't buy the Nikon because you wanted something that's like, quote unquote, easier to stand up or more stable. Although the bike is, you know, it's good. It's well balanced. Pull it off the kickstand. It's, you know, feels like the weight's down low. It feels really good. Yes, maybe there's more traction and stuff uh, because of the two tires. Maybe you've got a bigger contact patch and stuff like that. But, uh, so like I said, cool bike, enjoyed it, but I'm not sure why I'd buy one. Like, it just would take up extra space in the garage. I, like, I don't mean as an extra bike, but I just mean as a bike, it's wide in the front. Um, you know, maybe it's not a big deal, but there's more maintenance. You know, you've got four forks, basically, instead of two, and, you know, two wheels, and, and an extra tire to manage the pressure. So, again, like I said, cool vehicle. I get it's maybe a new, new category. If someone wants something different, you know, maybe check it out buy one, what the hell, uh, I would ride it again, but I don't know why I need one, alright, so that's the Nikon, so thumbs up on the Nikon, so then I tried the MT-09, I really wanted to ride the MT-10, but unfortunately it was taken in the next slot, and 
the way Yamaha did it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. There was a good number of people there, even for the weather not being so great. It wasn't raining heavy, but it was kind of drizzly and dreary, whatever, which made it nice. It was kind of cool for riding, but, um, yeah, it was a fair number of people turned out. So I guess, you know, they wanted to make sure people had a fair shot, especially people that came later in the day, because they basically went from 10 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. You know, so you did the usual show your license. They proved that you got a motorcycle license, and fill out a form and they take a picture of you and they take your license information and you, you know do the standard kind of waiver or release liability form whatever and I'm sure it says if you crash the bike you're responsible I just skimmed it I didn't read it in detail uh, anyway so then once you do that they do like what Harley does um, and maybe all, all the manufacturers may do this now but they give you a card that's basically got like your ID number on it so next time you want to go do a demo that's your, your card they've got all your information on file I guess you don't have to go through the whole sign up thing probably have to sign another release waiver again but I guess it just expedites it so that's kind of cool but anyway so MT-10 wasn't available so I was like alright well MT-09 is the next best thing being I've got the Z900 RS and I've gotten used to an almost leader bike I was like I don't think the MT-07 is going to do anything for me so I skipped that one so MT-09 so actually I did well when I rode each bike I had my helmet on I got Bluetooth and I had it hooked up to my phone and I've got like a little audio recording app I was recording unfortunately the audio didn't come out that good at least the spoken part it did get me talking you know I got a, the mic and the, and the helmet um, and actually it picked up the motorcycle engine sounds pretty good but I'm not sure if I don't, I don't know what it was I had the phone in my pocket it should have been recording from the mic and the, and the helmet I'm almost positive it was but the recording volume was so low, I'm almost wondering if it was recording through the mic on the phone itself, although being in my pocket, I'm not sure how it would have picked anything up. Anyway, the point is, I was hoping I could just kind of publish that as a podcast, but that's not looking like it's going to work, so I might just listen to the audio again and just see if there's anything I wanted to say that I'm not saying here, but I figure while it's fresh in my mind, why not just do it here. Alright, so MT-09. So honestly, overall, I was not impressed nothing wrong with the bike it's not like you know other people if they have the bike they may love it i get it you know i wouldn't discourage anyone from trying it but combination of things one i don't know it's shorter wheelbase and it just it felt kind of small to me honestly even though it's you know I'm guessing triple 900 cc or thereabouts or maybe it's an 848 or something like that um but there's not much front end and it's weird even though i'm accustomed to naked bikes there's just more substance on the Vulcan S and the Z900 RS, and it just felt weird not having something there. But that wasn't that hard to get used to. Uh, it does have the TFT display. It's not it's not color, but it's like you know monochrome display, which is nice. Personally, I prefer Vulcan. Vulcan. I prefer analog gauges, which I have on both my other bikes. You know, the Z900 RS is an analog speedometer and tack, which I just happen to like. And then it's got a little LCD display just to be kind of modern. It's got some status info and date and whatever there. But I don't know. I'm just kind of old school. I just like the analog, you know, speedometer attack. But anyway, so that beside that aside, the uh, the cluster on MT-09 is kind of small. I mean, it's maybe like that big, which is just kind of weird to me. I'm just used to a little more dash, although obviously way smaller than what I had on the Nikon, which was like a big kind of. Even though the dash, it's, it's still like a TFT display. You know, it's, a, it's got a fairing and whatever, so it just feels bigger in front. But anyway, so MT-09, I mean, handle's fine, handle's great, engine is nice, plenty of pep, you know, plenty of torque. Uh, but it, it did vibrate. Um, I was kind of surprised for a triple. I thought it would be smoother. I got some mirror shake, felt a little in the butt, you know, um, in, in the seat. 
I think I even mentioned, I gotta listen to my audio, but I think even in the pegs I felt a little bit. Um, the, uh, the throttle was kind of a little, little snatchy. The brakes, I think the brakes are good, but they were very snatchy. Um, it was like you just touched the brakes and it just, the front end dove on you. So a combination of maybe the way the shocks are set up and they're adjustable, so maybe that can be adjusted. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know, the, the, the brakes are really divey, they're really sensitive. Again, maybe that can be adjusted. But just overall, I was like, I was just like, eh, I don't know, that, that bike just doesn't do it for me. Again, nothing wrong with it. If you got one, cool. If you want to try one, cool. But just didn't didn't do it for me. I mean, for sure. I don't know. Maybe I'm also not big into triples. Um, you know, I've got the four-cylinder inline on the Z900 RS, which I think is just awesome. That's why I want to try the MT10. But, uh, yeah, so that was the MT09. And then uh, I wanted to try the R6. Unfortunately, it wasn't available for the next slot. I had to wait in the slot because they were out. Uh, and then, you know, took the next slot after that. And I would have had to wait additional time for the R6. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hang around the dealership that long. Now, I've never been on a sport bike before. So I was like, you know what? The R3 is probably not a bad way to go. You know, 300cc or whatever it is. I guess it's a single cylinder. Uh, so I come, so may just give that a shot. But I'm really glad I did. Um, I've no, like I said, never ridden a sport bike before. And I always wondered what it would be like if I would feel weird on it because I'm so used to either a cruiser or, you know, kind of upright riding position. Whenever I've seen sport bikes, like in dealer showrooms or, you know, gone to, like, IMS and seen them at a show, even though I've sat on them, it's like, I don't know, does everything look so tight in and squished and, you know, lean forward? I'm like, I don't know, maybe I feel kind of off balance or whatever, but... I think it was good to try the R3 first because it is a smaller bike. But I gotta say, it was comfortable. I mean, just got on the thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, lean forward a little bit. Yeah, you know, you got clip-ons, so the handlebars are in a little tighter. It's not kind of up. Um, all the bikes, I gotta say, all these Yamahas have these small little mirrors, and I know like they look cool, like little kind of whatever you call them, parallelogram shape, and they're very shapely and they look nice on the bike. But the, the rear view is, is not too good at all. So just one because the mirror, the glass surface isn't so small. I'm used to bigger mirrors on the other two bikes, but also I typically have a problem. My shoulders are fairly broad, so often the rearview mirrors standard setup on bikes, they're in too close, and I had that problem on all three bikes. Nikon wasn't bad, though. I could kind of twist them out, but I really noticed it on the MT-09, and then a little bit on the R3 riding that. Looks like my phone shifted a little bit, but you can still see me, so that's fine. Um, yeah, so I definitely... Definitely on the MT-09, if I were to get that bike, would have to put mirror extenders, which I did on the Vulcan S, because I had to move the mirrors out. Fortunately, the Z900 RS, the mirrors are fine the way they're positioned, so that was kind of nice. But anyway, so the R3, so yeah, that was really cool. So, uh, you know, small engine, so I didn't expect a lot out of it, but man, that thing likes to rev, you know, I guess small small mass in the cylinder. Uh, so that thing redlines at 12.5, and I was getting up to 12,000, almost 12.5. That was a lot of fun. That engine really sings. You know, the MT-09, I don't know, I just didn't like the sound of that engine. They're all, I think, with stock exhaust. The Nikon sounded okay. You know, whatever. Probably would want to change the exhaust on it. Um, MT-09, I was like, nah, it wasn't too crazy about how it sounded. It just was kind of whiny, especially when you got up to the higher revs. Although, I think that revs at red, red lines at 10, 5, 11, something like that. I think same with the Nikon. Anyway, but the R3, actually, it, it sounded pretty good. I mean, it's a small motor, and it sounds, you know, it's kind of high-pitched, but I don't know, man. You just take off from a start, and you just whack that thing up to 1,200, you know, 12,000 RPM, second, third, fourth gear. It's kind of nice. It's like, wow, I think I could really get, get into the sport bike thing. So, anyway, so that was, that was really cool. Um, 
so yeah so what else so given that so like I said it handles great brakes are good um, you know fairly inexpensive bike as far as I can tell there's no special electronic features or whatever dashboard's pretty simple but you know it is LCD um, really want to try the R6 now I wish it had been available although being a Kawasaki guy you know depending on opportunities I'm more likely to try a Ninja 650 before an R6 no, nothing against you Rich and your R6 bike what can I say I'm just a Kawi guy but I have to say you know I've other than Gina's Star 250 she had, V-Star 250, when she started riding again, you know, when I started riding, um, I've never ridden Yamaha, so it was a good experience, it's nice to be on them, nice bikes, you know, they're well put together, you know, basically liked them, uh, but I'm still a Kawasaki fan, so yeah, more likely I'd go for a Ninja 650, but we'll see, but I don't know, like riding this Arc 3, I'm more and more thinking, I've been wanting to do track days anyway, I probably will try to track the, Z, the Z900 RS first, um, unless I've got to do something weird to it, you know, to make it track ready, which I don't think that would be a problem, you know, although sport bikes are usually the thing for track days, but that probably would be my first move, just put some frame sliders and protection on it and go take it on a track. But assuming I like that, which I totally expect I will, I could really see getting something like, especially a used R3, you know, something inexpensive, just lightweight, easy to tow, trailer or whatever, I could even, for that matter, just put a hitch carrier on the back of my truck and just try carry it that way. But, you know, just have like a little track day bike and, you know, as a beginner, just learning how to ride track days, I'm sure that would be more than enough. So either that or like a, you know, like a Ninja 650 or something like that. So I think that would be a lot of fun. So anyway, I think that's about what I got to say about uh, doing the Yamaha demos today. So yeah, so overall, so I'd say Nikon, thumbs up, MT-09. For me, thumbs down, but again, to each his own. Uh, R3, thumbs up, and definitely uh, now interested in riding more sport bikes. Don't know if I'd buy one anytime soon, because I already got the two. But I don't know, I could actually see at some point selling, trading in the Vulcan S and making room for a sport bike and making it a track bike or something like that. So, I don't know, we'll have to see. So, hopefully you guys enjoyed. I see one or two people uh, joined in to listen slash watch. Hope you find this interesting. I may do a podcast episode, go over some of this stuff again. Or, I don't know, maybe if the audio on this is good enough, I'll just strip it and make a, strip it off make a podcast. So, hope everyone's doing well. The riding season is here. Um, I definitely want to get out riding more and more. It was, actually, it was interesting, too, because Gene and I were in Hawaii for 10 days, which was awesome. A lot of fun, definitely. We were in Maui, and we went to Lanai for a day. But, uh, so I haven't ridden in quite a few weeks, but so it's nice just to do this demo thing and get out on some bikes and hit the roads and whatever. So it's been a lot of fun. So I hope everyone's getting a chance to get out and ride. Don't forget, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge 2019 is coming up. So hopefully you're signed up. If not, well, check out the MPC Facebook page and follow along, and maybe you'll be interested for next year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I definitely hope Team Throttle wins again. So we'll see you on that. And, uh, yeah, like I said, hope everyone's doing good. And I'm going to sign off now. I'm going to be releasing podcast episode 8 today. Not today, but tomorrow, hopefully. And then I'm probably going to record two episodes this week. One with David Mazza, who I don't... He's not much of a podcast listener, so I don't think he really listens. But I met him when we uh, we did a riding school together. He's got a Ducati, Ducati Panigale V4S. So I'm going to be talking about him, talking with him about that bike. And he tracks that, which is really cool, as well as rides on the road. And then uh, Wednesday, I'm hoping to do an interview with Fast Eddie from Moto Jitsu. So that's going to be really cool. So check it out. Uh, subscribe so you can see my YouTube videos and my podcasts and whatnot. Hope everyone's doing good. And uh, remember, 
whatever you do, it's always time to ride. Okay, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope a few people listen. Definitely let me know. Like, like. You know, leave me comments. It really would help. Um, it's kind of hard. You know, I put this stuff out. I don't know. I know people are watching and listening from the stats, but I don't know who it is and if they're watching the whole thing and if they like it or they don't like it. But whatever you could do to leave some feedback definitely will help. It like, lets me know people are listening and they're hearing. And even if you don't like it, that's fine. But let me know like what you don't like. You know, constructive criticism is favored. You know, tell me you know what you didn't like about it or what you'd like to see instead. It's too long, too wordy, whatever. You know, I definitely want to make this stuff as good as I can. So, all right, everybody, take it easy. Have a great weekend, and uh, talk to you in the next episode. Ciao. All right. So, I hope you enjoyed my uh, test ride review of the three Yamaha bikes. And as promised, I'm gonna play the sounds again. So, I'm gonna I'll play a clip, and then I'll tell you what it was. So, here's the first clip. So that was the MT-09, probably the least favorite of my clips. But in fairness, um, it, it's just not uh, like a really good audio recording, but kind of gives you a, a flavor for the sound of the bike. All right. Here is bike number two. Okay, so that one was the Nikon. So also, recording probably doesn't do great, great justice to the bike, but again, gives you an idea what it sounds like. Uh, you know, and again, you know, stock stock exhaust setup, so you know it's not going to sound the greatest. It's going to be a little tamed down and a little quiet. And here we have bike number three. So obviously that was the R3, which I, I honestly think is the best sounding of it's the best sounding of the three clips, but I really think it was the best sounding of the three bikes. That bike was just a ton of fun to ride. Like I said, never ridden a sport bike before. It was a good first taste. And uh, the fact that that thing revs to 12,500 RPM, that engine revs so easily, you just get on it and just wail. It, it's you know you're not going super super fast but you kind of feel like you're on a on a race bike you know kind of racing moto 3 or something like that anyway it was a blast so um hope you enjoyed those clips and it's time to wrap up the show so to close out the show just a couple comments so you know the uh test rides i did and, and that review was done back in may so uh that was before the uh motorcycle podcasters challenge had started but uh Motor motorcycle podcasters challenge has since been here and left us so it was a ton of ton of fun uh, i don't know if any of you had a chance to follow it what was going on but it, re it really was good i'm really looking forward to next year so team throttle came in second place and i believe we were tied with the creative writing podcast loud pipes podcast came in first so congratulations to them so yeah like i said looking forward to next year uh i will be doing the podcasters challenge under my own podcast so i'll be looking to uh, form a team so anyone who might be interested drop me a line let me know and uh yeah we'll get a team put together also i had mentioned david mazza coming on the show that didn't work out just for logistics reasons but uh Def, you know, definitely want to have David on, and he's agreed to be on. So we'll talk about his uh, Ducati Panigale V4S, which will be a blast. 
And don't forget, I've still got stickers, so if you want one, let me know. Just uh, send me your mailing address so I could send one out. You know, while supplies last, uh, definitely you can help me promote the podcast. Any help you can provide will be greatly appreciated. And you can always contact me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com or at my website, so you want to ride a motorcycle.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis or click the donate link at the upper right hand side of my website. Please like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find the podcast. Please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for So You Want to Ride. Keep spreading the word and please help me build my online community. Thank you once again for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 